Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of Outreach Cast, a podcast on everyday behavior. Looking back at the last couple of weeks, I must say I have enjoyed this entire process of being kind of consistent and doing something that I've never done before, that is recording a podcast. Um but just the idea of uh, being able to express my thoughts about behaviors and um, individual decision making is something that motivates me each and every week it also brings me to today's episode uh, which is on the story of the underdogs why do we prefer them over the others why do we choose the underdog um, over the front runners who have more power into them why do we do that this podcast is dedicated to a lot of us who prefer the underdogs over the um front runners who is an underdog an underdog is someone who struggles with entities that are similar to them but much mightier there's not much elaboration needed but they are at a significant disadvantage in comparison to their adversaries which is very prevalent and apparent for anyone else to witness we all know or have been an underdog in our lives be it in our family be it in our careers be it in our social life as well individuals have been underdogs like walt disney organizations have been underdogs like the apple and we also have seen teams like a football team like leicester city from the english premier league who has been an under- underdog who have worked hard against the um entire environment struggled and then have achieved the success that they are so very well known about it must be said that underdogs leave a more lasting legacy than someone who's a giant phil steel a football coach over a period of time collected data of teams that were considered to be underdogs um and the number of wins that they had um against the favorite football teams and what he came about was very interesting only 24 to 30% of the time it has been a case where an underdog has defeated um a team that is um considered to be favorites the rest of the 70% of the times the underdog has been defeated how many of us remember that story when an underdog actually was defeated in the famous movie rocky rocky balboa actually loses the last final fight he doesn't win the final cup how many of us actually remember that psychologists call this tendency an availability heuristic where we have literally unconsciously only remember the moments when the underdog struggled and succeeded through their efforts and have completely forgotten about those fights when the underdog have lost and it is at least 7 out of 10 times why is it that underdogs leave a more lasting legacy in our minds in comparison um to the times when they are defeated neuroscientists Paul Zak and George Barraza might just have an answer for us. 
both of them conducted this study where they evaluated people's brains and the kind of um, hormones that they secrete and the neurotransmitters that get secreted when someone basically reads a story about or sees an underdog win. They say that uh, our levels of empathy increases when um, we see an underdog story. There is this neurotransmitter oxytocin which releases quite considerably when we are um, visually seeing an underdog win. It is this entire evolutionary thinking process that we all have garnered where when we survive as a team, we all just enjoy it thoroughly. There's this preference to be altruistic. And that's the reason why we tend to identify ourselves with the underdog. That's one of the reasons. The second reason that scientists Sarah Brosnan and Franz Diewald demonstrated through their studies is that we all hate inequity. We don't like um, inequalities in whatever ways and we want things to be more fair. And we resist any form of predetermined inequality that um, stays in and around us. It just goes beyond this emotional self-interest that we might have. But we all prefer wherein someone who with less resources beats the odds and wins the game. We all prefer the fairness and competence. And we support those that take on the mighty. The tables turn when we evaluate this choice between the underdogs and the favorites in a different context altogether. Scott Allison from University of Richmond conducted this very study. When the context change, does people's preference change as well with it? Scott actually came across two different contexts in which um, our choices might change um, from the underdogs to the favorites. First thing, when the stakes are high, we start to prioritize the favorites. For me, when the 2016 campaign of English Premier League was going on and there was this match between Chelsea and Leicester City, I have been a loyal fan of Chelsea for a pretty long time. So losing and still you know, choosing uh, Leicester City over Chelsea would have been completely something that was against my um, like loyalty altogether. So my stakes were pretty high. Loyalty was at question. I chose Chelsea over Leicester, even if their story was something that I genuinely believed in. The second situation or context in which we would go for the favorites in comparison to the underdogs is when there is something that we could really lose, our support tapers of the underdogs. This is very similar to the Walmart effect that a lot of people talk about. When Walmart comes into a local community, the local stores face a hit. We all prefer going to the Walmart because we are able to save in a lot more money going to Walmart in comparison to the local vendors. Currently, um, while being in the lockdown, if I go to my vegetable vendor, he's charging me a bomb. But if I go to a larger startup, which is now delivering fresh from the farms right to my doorstep, I would prefer going for that. It would hit my local vendor, but I would still go for the bigger 
startup that is coming up. That's where my choices and the balance shifts between the underdog and the giant. This takes me to a term that uh, Rory Sutherland in his book Alchemy mentions. We all have this reputation reflex. This was first coined by the British admin Robin White. It's a situation where there is the same product, okay? But uh, one of the product is sold by a very reputed, credible brand, which has been in the market for a pretty long time. And then you have a newbie selling the same product. I'm gonna ask each one of y'all to think, take a pause and just think about who would you choose between the two? Two brands with a different kind of experience and credibility selling the same product. I would instinctively and very intuitively go for the brand um, selling the product which is more credible and has a legacy behind because that brand could lose its complete legacy if they end up selling me a bad product in comparison to this newbie who's just come into the market because he is he doesn't have any risk of uh, losing their credibility and falling on the face so i would genuinely go for the one that has more credibility so these are certain situations that we all need to keep in mind that uh, we would genuinely in those kind of situations prefer a more credible more experienced um, player or individual or organization what could be the disadvantage of um, being a giant in a business scenario in comparison to being a startup in the same field first thing a giant focuses a lot more on growth versus new ideas there are so many verticals that you have to monitor and look after that you just can't think about the new horizons in the market. Second is the bureaucracy. There are so many new layers of hierarchy that you have to employ to ensure that the organization is running efficiently, um, that you're controlling the flow of information and reducing creativity and flexibility in the organization as a whole. That is something that a startup very easily provides you with. There's this hesitation to adapt in a larger organization. Marketing guru L. Rise rightly points out that changing the direction of a large company is like changing the direction of an aircraft carrier. It's, it's very difficult to bring about organizational change in a big organization because um, there's a lot of time that goes into just planning. So execution is completely something that comes in after years of planning. Fourth point is the internal competition, which delays a lot of execution altogether and affects it completely, which is something that you won't see in a startup because everyone is working towards the same goal. That is to ensure that the startup grows. Fifth, it is the pride of previous success. We have this inflated perception about our past successes that we just don't consider the present hard work to be put in or um, you know the efforts that we need to ensure that our future growth continues the way it is go going on currently. It is something that we can relate with the expertise trap as well. Dennis Wetley rightly says, Never become so much of an expert that you stop gaining expertise. 
view life as a continuous learning expertise. We all are facing this new paradigm shift in our lives where success depends less on our past experiences and more on our ability to adapt to the present and anticipating the future. To maintain our status as an expert or a giant or as a favorite in the 21st century, we need to confront our blind spots. We need to accept that certain knowledge has an expiration date and we need to learn to develop more um, creative and future-facing solutions even in the midst of uncertainty. We need to keep moving towards um, creating concrete results and practice and think deliberately while continuously working to eliminate our own weaknesses. In this choice between a David and a Goliath, I would prefer being a, being a David. Being an underdog has its own benefits. There are no constraints to your opportunities. You are immune to complacency. You will always have a can-do attitude. It pays to be unconventional and there is a lot of opportunity that you have to showcase your strong work ethic. Your strong efforts, your persistence and consistency is what everyone is looking at and perceiving you as someone who can achieve against the odds and are rooting for you. We all can be the next Walt Disney, Albert Einstein and J.K. Rowling by maintaining this effort and consistency in our lives. There is this Caribbean proverb which says, trust grows at the speed of a coconut tree and falls at the speed of a coconut. We all are trying to build trust um, in our relationships, in our work, in the organization that we work. And this actually brings me to the last segment of this podcast where I am requesting each one of y'all to join this initiative called Ask Twice, which is associated to this podcast, where I'm requesting each listener to reach out to a friend, a relative or a colleague and ask them how they are doing and ask this question twice because the first time they might think it's just a courtesy ask but the second time they might feel that you know you're creating this conducive environment where they can open up and share their thoughts, their feelings and you'll just see how things improve for that person. So join the Ask Twice movement. Until the next week, take care. Bye.